0: Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man on the Post Extra Time. We are back after my uh, gremlins infested by headphones. Uh, with me, I, well, my name is Chris, and with me I have got Mark. Hello. You're back, you are alright?
1: Yes, I'm alright, thank you.
0: Good man. Uh, and still no Emma, we're still not entirely sure what Ross and um, Colin have done with her, but she's not here this week. <laughs> <laughs> God knows. This is going to be on one of those sort of documentaries in about a year's time on Channel 5, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Ross has got her hidden in the basement.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we met online, that sort of thing. <laughs>
1: done Jeremy Kyle, before we know it.
0: Yeah, oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> A lie detector test. Sort of her sat between Colin and Ross. The mind boggles. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about this week's International Games in England. Uh, we shall be talking about our Desert Island Discs of Football Games, our three favourite football games before... Uh, we talk about this week's Premier League predictions. So, first of all, um, let's talk about England, shall we? Go on, then. England won, Italy won, Graziano Pelle and Andros Townsend with a thunderbolt, would not it?
1: Yeah, good goal. He scored a couple of uh, long-range thunderbolts, honey, he, for England? Mm.
0: My Twitter timeline afterwards was taken up by Spurred fans, rather annoyed that he couldn't do it for them. Um, I think he's been very unlucky
1: the last season and a bit because obviously Bell was the the headliner for a bit. Then Townsend came in and started playing really well. Then you think he got injured a lot, didn't he? he got mm. quite a few niggly injuries and then they had Lamella in the team and Chadley and quite a few other players and he's not managed to hold the place down because I think he's been suffering from just those repeated niggly injuries that have not been able to allow him to, to get any kind of momentum
0: up. He was on loan at QPR as well, wasn't he? Sorry. He was on loan at QPR as well, wasn't he? It, that was before that, and he was really, really. That was
1: the last time they were in the Premier League, wasn't it? And he yeah. was, um, I thought, he was excellent for QPR when he was there. He really shone in that team, mm. and they were as bad then as they are now, if not worse. They were very much worse. Yeah, and like, every time he's played for England, I thought he's played really well. I think he, he's direct with a view to actually doing something. You know, you can have direct players, and they've got no end product or they seemingly don't have an idea of what their end product is going to be to the Andros Townsend. You kind of know that something's going to come at the end of it, whether it comes off or not. I think he, I think he, um, I think he should be in the head of somebody like Oxlade Chamberlain or Walcott in that kind
0: mm. of position. Well, you were saying that about running with an end, I was thinking about Franz Carr.
1: Well, okay. Yeah, that's uh that's one for that is teenagers. Really running with it with no idea in his mind what to do with it next. <laughs> That's one for the teenagers as well. That one. Yeah. Do you know what? he never looked that bad on him Forest, but as soon as he took a took up his place at Newcastle,
0: he was dreadful. He was awful. I think he ended up at Sheffield United or somewhere, didn't he? Hmm. somewhere like that. Yeah. Hmm. I think maybe Miss Clough. Uh, quite experimental this lineup for England, wasn't it? Phil Jones in midfield and Theo Walcott through the middle. I think, wasn't it? They kept
1: moving it around a lot, yeah. So Walcott would play at the tip of the diamond, as they kept repeatedly going on about on the commentary. Um, and then they would, he would switch to the wing, and um, Rooney would move in there, and then somebody else would move in there, you know. So they were trying to to mix it up a bit in that first half.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, I suppose if you are, I mean, it's good to experiment, I suppose, isn't it? And um, if you are going to experiment, then a friendly is it to do it, in, isn't it? It
1: is, and you know, I don't think it's anywhere close to being a vintage Italian team, but you're always going to get a good game off the Italians, you know. They're always Mm -hmm. going to be of a decent standard. So um, it was worth trying in a game that meant nothing against an opponent that's probably very similar in quality, and also it's an opponent that we're likely to face in big games perhaps in the future or that sort of standard.
0: Yeah. Unbeaten in nine now, England are. We've got a friendly against Ireland to come in June, and then away to Slovenia. I've been to Slovenia in June, so that's not a bad place to go. Yeah, yeah.
1: So I mean, the the qualifying thing, you, you would have to mess it up big time not to get through to the Euros now. And mm. um, you know, the, there's a possibility that we could go 100% all the way through because we were lucky enough to be drawn in potentially the easiest group of all.
0: Well, we did that before, didn't we? And we lost to Ukraine in the last. Oh, we drew with Ukraine in the last game.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been we have actually been very lucky in. In the last decade, um, with the quality of opposition we've been given in these draws, you know we could have had a lot worse um, stinking groups than what we've been given.
0: And we've not always done the... the, the... Mm. Um, also England this week, in the 21s, beat Germany 3-2. Uh, they came from behind twice. Jesse Lingard, Nathan Redmond and James Ward-Prowse scored. So a sterling performance by them. Mm. Very good. Because the tournament is the Euros this summer.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and obviously there's been a whole lot of talk about whether, like, Harry Kane or Ross Barkley, um, and I think there's a few others who have been in that um, senior team over the last week, whether they should be given a rest in the summer or they should be called up for the under 21s. I mean, what if that did happen? The likely thing scenario would be that the clubs would. Say, oh, he has to have a rest, or he's injured. You know what I mean? Mm. Like that, that old story of pulling them out to make sure they don't play. But I, I agree with a lot of the people like Gary Lineker and, and what have you have been saying that they should go to the under twenty one tournament A because you know we want to see our under twenty ones do well uh, and they get more experience in that environment and hopefully more experience of getting deep into a tournament or maybe even being successful. Mm.
0: And hopefully you won't end up with some kind of Marchesio Conte situation if they're uh, crying injured.
1: What happened? Uh, I, I didn't quite see the story on that. He
0: well, he, um, he turned up at Italian training last week, um, did a bit of jogging around the outside and then collapsed in a great big heap. Um, mm. And they sent him home because the Italian doctor said, oh, you've done your cruciate ligament in. Uh, he went back to Juve and Juve said, well, no, he's fine. We're going to play him this weekend in Serie A
1: hmm right. Um, well, we've been dealing with that f- with England for donkey's years. People either not get turning up at the training at all or crying off five minutes after they've got there. So it's nothing new for us.
0: Well, the biggest one for this is Ryan Giggs, 23 years of professional, 60 Wales caps. hmm yeah. Uh, you would have thought you went and played more games. Um, elsewhere in mm. international land, we've got Holland beat Spain 2-0. Um Israel nil, Belgium 1. So Belgium, uh, albeit with 10 men, because um, Vincent Kompany got sent off, they now move ahead of Wales in goal difference in Group B. So quite an important game for that one. Um, mm. We had the che- Czechoslovakian derby. The Slovakia beat the Czech Republic 1-0. Uh, and amongst other things, we have Portugal nil, Cape Verde 2. Now, people are talking about this as if it was one of the great upsets of all time, but Cape Verde are 38th in the world, and they've been to the African nations, haven't they?
1: They are, but you still don't expect an island state that's—I don't know how many people live there, tens of thousands, not not more. It can't be. Um, and as far as I know, I think it might have been an understrength Portugal, but still, that'd be like us getting beat by Trinidad, uh, you know, yeah. or somebody like uh, Jamaica or something. Because I think Cape Verde was a colony of Portugal once upon a time. Right? As I
0: say, there's gratitude for. You.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh,
1: well, well, we let we let our our former. Colonies beat us in most things. Eventually, don't we?
0: Yeah, we do. Yeah, (laughs) the cricket's show. Cricket, rugby, football. The Americans beat us. Remember that tour in '93. I do Mm. tennis.
1: Yeah,
0: a lot. Well, no, Ronaldo unfortunately, Portugal only had ten men, but that's not really an excuse, is it? Shouldn't be. No. No. Um, Unless I've missed anything particularly obvious, I couldn't see any other great things this sort of last couple of days and. Internationals, have you?
1: No, uh, the only thing I caught was um, I caught the replay of the England game, but you know, recorded it and watched it. So I did watch bits of um, Scotland over the weekend and Wales on Friday night, I think it was, but the guys on Sunday covered that, I think.
0: Yeah, they did. Uh, and they still found time to cover Stephen Gerrard from 10 days ago. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's so good, you have to, they have to have carried it over. Uh, yes, this is probably the one week I couldn't actually listen to the um, Manchester United rank cast. I just, I just couldn't bear it this week, which was other love for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of Stephen Gerrard, maybe better times gone by. Me and you, this is your suggestion, isn't it? We're going to talk about our three favourite games. This is some kind of Desert Island Discs meets football. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, our three favourite games that we could think of. Now, we've had a t- day or so to think about this. So, yeah, Stephen's speaking about like Stephen Gerrard. Can I go first? You can, yeah. Right. Ten years ago, do you know what happened? I should have, sti- I should have,
1: I should have stipulated that there should be no Liverpool or Everton in this because I haven't chosen Everton game. Have you not? I should have said that. I should have said that to you because otherwise, all I'm going to get is the first half of Liverpool Olympiacos, the second half of Liverpool Olympiakos, and half time in the Liverpool Olympiakos. I thought that was what was going to come from you.
0: No, no. All right, I can, I can because I was really, really stuck. Um, I was going to do the quarter final, first leg like, between. Uh, Liverpool and Juventus. The, actually, with the Hippie volley on the edge of the post and the Luis Garcia volley. But I'll let you keep it. Don't worry. I'll let you keep it. Are you sure? Because I did discount. I discounted England-Germany 1990 semi-final. Manchester United won Queen's Park Rangers 4 and I didn't research who scored for this one but Port Vale 4, QPR 4. Now, after 85 minutes QPR were losing 4-0 and we drew 4 all, and hit the post. <laughs> so, any one of them could have made it. Um but go on you have you, you you give us one now.
1: Okay, the first one I will go with is the I think it was the semi-final of the Olympic football tournament in 96 in Atlanta and it was Argentina against Nigeria. You were such a hipster. Well no, I just remember watching it. On, I think I think it might even have been on Eurosport, you know. And it was just the best end-to-end game. I've ever seen, I can't even remember the score I think I think the Nigerians won 3-2 got to the final, played Brazil and again don't remember if they won or lost but I just remember that uh, that the craziness of how amazing that game was not just hoofing the ball either it was proper good quality end-to-end football, the Nigerians had Kanu in the team when he was at his best the, I think the Argentinians had people like Batistuta in the team it was just amazing
0: yeah, Bacchus too, didn't they? It was that long ago.
1: It was, yeah, 96, yeah. Yeah. He would have been, I think, Sensini would have played for them as well, you know, as one of the overage players. Mm. But it was just a great game, anyway.
0: Okay. Um, I was, I was going back to that Liverpool game. The Liverpool team that night, it was Carson Finnan, Carragher, Hippie, triori, Gerard Biscan, Garcia, Risa, Letala, and then Barras at the front. That's a load of donkeys awesome. in there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they beat Juventus too. Juventus had Buffon, Cannavaro, Camernese, Chiram, Nedved, Zlatan and Del Piero. Xavier mm. Alonso they didn't even get on the pitch. And the,
1: uh, listen, my uh, this is not me with my Everton hat on. This is me trying to be realistic and impartial. But I honestly think that in the Champions League era, at least, the Liverpool 2005 team is the worst team to have won the Champions League. Ooh. Think? I think it's a close call between... Because yeah. I used to think Dortmund in 97 were the worst. But I, I honestly think in the Champions League era, that Liverpool team were the worst team to have won it.
0: What about the Marseille team that had it taken off? them?
1: But they had a hell of a side though then. Didn't they have like... Uh, well, maybe like Papin might have gone by them. But it was Desai, I think Laurent Blanc was there. Deschamps was there. Mm. Maybe Barthez. Uh, there was quite a few good players in that side
0: then. Yeah. Trying yeah. to, I'm trying to think of different teams that might I would it. That was the first name that came into my head, but I think as soon as I said it, I thought, no, that's probably not right. Especially after what I handed in to you this week through a football pink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my next game is the 1998 World Cup final. Um, France 3, Brazil 0. I think I went for this one because... Zidane um, is, is my far and away, my favouritest player of all time, I think. He's... he's, well, he's Ahead of Kevin Gallon, maybe on points, but the, the pair of them are, are by far and away the best. Um, and I remember watching Eurosport. Was it the Intertoto Cup when you had to qualify for the UEFA Cup? Was that the
1: one? Toto, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Zidane played for the, Black- for the um, Bordeaux team that qualified from the Toto Cup and got to the final of the UEFA Cup that year. And that was the year he got sold to uh, Juventus. And I just remember watching Mm. him on Serie A afterwards on Gazeta Football and all that sort of thing. So we followed him and then the fact he scored two goals. There's a lot of Premier League players based in that, um, in that French team. And the fact, it was on home soil and all the celebrations afterwards. Mm. Bear in mind, he also got sent off against Saudi Arabia for that headbutt. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. No, was it a headbutt or was it a stamp against Saudi
0: Arabia? I thought it was a headbutt. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I think it was a stamp. Was it? Yeah, yeah. the headbutt
1: was obviously the two thousand six World Cup
0: final, but oh, this was a lot sneaky. He had that sort of thing in him, though, didn't
1: he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bergkamp was similar, wasn't he? The as in terms of you wouldn't, you wouldn't assume him to be a uh, have a streak, but being the type of person, he was a type of player he was, and quite a calmer character. But yeah, he could get his elbows in or, or dig in with his studs when it was ne- necessary, or even when it was unnecessary. Mm.
0: But I just remember watching that. It was a it was a hot summer's night, and it was the headers, wasn't it? He scored first from a header, uh, and then his other one was a header as well, wasn't it? And you thought, well, this is it. This is you had a feeling of watching something. You were watching history that night. Really, I think. Well, they did, didn't they? In fact, I think and Brazil were shell shocked. Well, it was all the thing about Ronaldo as well, wasn't it? He was injured, or he had a fit or something, didn't
1: he? Yeah, but I mean, you look back on that Brazil team actually, and they should all have been. Um, capable of handling that situation. They had uh, Dunga, Roberto Carlos, I think Rivaldo was in the team, Denilson. Romario was still there, I think. And plenty, plenty of others. Who? I
0: think Romario was still there
1: as well, wasn't he? Uh, I'm not sure about Romario. Bebeto was there. Yeah.
0: Um, and bear in mind the dog-awful final we'd had four years before.
1: Yeah, yeah. They, they, had, they had plenty of good players and plenty of good characters who should have been able to handle it and they just they didn't. Mm.
0: Right, what's your second choice then?
1: Um, second one, just for how brilliant a team performance it was, and remember thinking that's probably the best club side I'd seen at the time. Um, I would say the European Cup final or Champions League final in '94 when AC Milan beat uh, a superb Barcelona team 4 uh, 0.
0: That's a very good shout, though. So Savicevic.
1: That was there. I mean, it was Savicevic, Desai, um, that kind of era, you know. I'll, um, Open. Albertini, Maldini, Barazi was coming to the end of his career. That was just a hell of a team, you know. Mm. And they, and 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 Barcelona was still Stoichkov. I think Romario was still there. Kuman all of these guys, that great sort of Cruyff team, and they got absolutely annihilated. Just, just for how you know, just for simply for how good AC Milan were that night. I think that's wild.
0: Well, they
1: pick that one as the, the second
0: game. This is the um, Milan team. You had Rossi in goal, then you had the Sotti... Uh, Gali Maldini, Panucci, and then you had Boban, Albertini, Desai, Donadoni, and Savicevic and Massaro at the front. Um, mm. you had for, in goal for Barcelona, you had Zuba Albert Ferrer, uh, Ronald Koeman, Rafa Nadal's uncle Miguel, and Sergi, and then you had Pep Guardiola, uh, Jose Baquero, Guillermo Amor, and then you got Stoichov, Bariastan, and Romario, uh, with Sergio Busquets' dad in on the bench as a substitute goalkeeper
1: yeah. yeah I think I seem to remember the Barcelona were the favourites they were as well and the Milan team absolutely stuffed them
0: English referee of course who was the ref? Phil Don who? Philip Don
1: Ah, oh, Philip yeah have got to say Philip have you? I didn't recognise it was just
0: Phil uh, yeah, I'm, I'm matey with him you see uh, right. uh, that of course was the Barcelona kit with the white bits on which the fans never liked did it have, what you mean,
1: like um, on the
0: shoulder trim? Yeah, had a white trim on the um, on the shoulder. Did it? Yeah, which they never really took to. That was a great game. That was just completely utter dominance, wasn't it? Mhm. It was just fantastic the way that they were. Like you say, the Barcelona could be favourites, but they were just absolutely torn to bits. And I think one of the goals was some a volley of some kind, wasn't it? Um.
1: Could have been, yeah. I know of of it scored a cracker. Desai was man of the match. He was immense. Mm.
0: No Lentini and Beresi, of course, for that game.
1: Well, Lentini, he <laughs> well, had uh, yeah, that car crash, didn't he? And he never recovered after that. Yeah, well,
0: he was the most expensive player in the world, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah. His, he
0: was. transfer fee?
1: Was it £13 million? Pounds? Oh, well
0: done. Well done. Of course, they had no Van Basten either.
1: Yeah, his final game was the. I think he. I'm not sure if he came on as a sub, but in the final the year before against Marseille, but he was already basically retired by that point because his ankle was knackered. Mm.
0: And Michael Ladrup didn't even make the squad for Barcelona.
1: Oh, it says it all, doesn't it, really?
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I'll go for my last game. My last game was actually the first ever match I attended uh, in the flesh. Um, It was March 1990, and it was Nottingham Forest 1. Manchester City nil. Scored by Gary Crosby. Do you remember why this one was famous?
1: This is where Andy Dibble was stood up near the edge of the box, ready to take a goal kick out of his hands. He held it out on one hand, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and Gary Crosby had been lurking around the back of him. It was quite a windy day, if I remember rightly. The shirts, the wind flapping against the the old Umbro shirt and their short shorts, mm. and he nipped round the back, headed the ball out of his hand as he was holding it in front of him stuck it into the empty net. Everyone thought it was going to be a free kick, which it should have been, and the goal stood. Yeah.
0: See, I was always under the impression that if he had it in one hand, it wasn't deemed to be um, under control.
1: Um, it, I, I think the rule might have been changed or the interpretation of the rule, but when it's in one, yeah, it's still technically in the goalie's possession when he's taken a kick. So, for instance, if he's saving it, I think if he's saving it and he hasn't got two hands on it, then I think it ends up being a free kick. Right. I think. Mm. I did take the coaching badges years ago, and part of those were exams that you had to know all these laws of the game and stuff, but that was a long time ago. Oh, really? So you you should be hot on all this? I should be, but like I say, it was a long time ago. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that was good. And then the sight of Peter Reid going absolutely bonkers at the referee. And I think also Colin Hendry as well. Hmm. Um, With the same haircut you had for 20-odd years. Yeah, yeah, you did. That sort of wavy sort of had at the back, yeah.
1: Wavy, wavy mullet.
0: Yeah, oh, he got sort of... You can imagine him in an, a medieval battle, couldn't you? A bannet burn or something. Hmm. When he wasn't on his arse with Gascoigne, of course. Obviously. Yes. Uh, Go on then, what's your um, final choice then for...
1: Well, the last one is a bit of a struggle because there's plenty of games that I've watched that at one time or another France have been involved in that were amazing games. And you could have had the 82 World Cup semi-final, which was a great game, um, or the quarter-final four years later against... um, Brazil. Mm -hmm. That was a great game. But I went for the European Cup, uh, sorry, the Euros of 1984 semi-final between France and Portugal. And this is a game where, I mean, back then Portugal, again, had a a very good international team with not really many star names or anything. But France, of course, were at home. They were in Marseille. um, And Platini basically dragged them through with a you know, a last-minute goal in extra time, quite a famous goal. And it was just, an, again, I remember watching it when I was a kid, and then I've seen it since many times on YouTube, and it's just an excellent
0: game to watch. Mm. It's quite interesting, because it must be a whole generation of people now growing up thinking Michel Platini is a, um administrator.
1: Yeah, and he, he was, uh, and still is, one of my top, certainly top five players yeah. in my lifetime that I've seen. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to get across how phenomenal he was, wasn't it? isn't it? He was a really good player. In in And you've got to remember, at the time, he played in a very good French team. But you took him out of that team, and they wouldn't have been half as good. Mm-hmm. Yet they had Jerez, Tigana, um, uh, Fernandez. They had Manuel Amoros. They had a hell of a team. He nine, scored nine goals that
0: tournament he scored.
1: Yeah. Or
0: mm. well, you think we're going to get this maybe in 20 years' time when um, Figo is uh, old and bloated and president of FIFA for the last 20 years? <laughs>
1: and everybody hates everybody him. Everybody hates
0: him and nobody remembers what a great player he was. Yeah. Yeah, that would be, That'd be a shame, wouldn't it? It would be tragic. I kind of, you kind of, in, a, in the way that you want him as a reformer to win, you, um, in a sort of breath of fresh air, you would kind of hope he wouldn't become the kind of man he always hated, to quote James. Yeah. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, oh, exactly. Wouldn't that be an awful tragedy? Mm. <laughs> um, right, OK. Now, we move on to our uh, Premier League predictions. What happens is, is we uh, look at the forthcoming, well, we preview the forthcoming weekend fixtures, um, and we decide whether uh, it will be a win, a loss, or a draw for a particular team. And we also have a double points fixture whereby we uh, pick a game from somewhere. Um, and we decide the actual score for this one. If you get that right, we go for double points. Um, Due to all the gremlins in the works, I haven't totted this up for the last couple of weeks, but Emma was in the lead. Um, She's managed to get me some predictions from whatever Cave Colin or Ross have been holding her in. Uh, And Our double points fixture this week is Marseille PSG Le Classique. She's gone for 1-1. What do you reckon?
1: I'm going to say that it's going to be... 2-1 to Marseille. Based on what? Based on um, no other reason than I think Marseille might win 2-1. I'm not really up on French football, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, I know they're both in the top two or three places and
0: battling out for the league, so it's about as much as I do know. Mm, It's at the Velodrome. So you might be right. Um, I was going to say 2-1 Marseille. I can't really do that now. Uh, I will go... I'll go 3-1, I'll say. Fair enough. It won't happen, but you never know. I need the points, if anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right, the only kick-off in the Premier League this weekend is... Arsenal versus uh, Liverpool. A few stats for you. Arsenal have won six out of the last six. Arsenal 18 points out of 18 points. last six games have won all of them in the league. Liverpool have won five out of the last six. Obviously that won a couple of weeks ago that doesn't really count against Man United. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> well obviously no Gerard for this game. Um Sterling who wants who's turned down a hundred thousand pounds a week but is there for the um, the love of the game. Uh he'll be available. What do you make of that?
1: It's weird because I think there's been rumbling rumblings for a little while that either he wasn't happy or that he might be looking for a move away, even for everything he's done at Liverpool. And, you know, he's got as much chance of winning something at Liverpool as he has at Arsenal, for example, which is, you know, another rumor that's going around. Well, he
0: said he was flattered by but their
1: interest. Yeah. Something's not quite right there because again, this, this isn't, this is a story that's not new. It's kind of rumbled on for quite a while about him either want to leave or not going to sign a contract. So yeah, it is funny. And I think it's just the, it might even just be the opening salvos of what will turn out to be a move in the summer. Hmm. To, to wherever that might be.
0: I yeah, I mean, I kind of get the impression that um, we should bin him off really. If he doesn't want to be there, then why he's only got two years left yeah. in his contract? Why might as well sell him? Why we got optimum amount of money? I mean, they're talking about Barkley being worth fifty million. If Barkley worth fifty million, then God knows what Sterling's worth.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. St- St- they'll get a decent amount of money for Sterling with no guarantee he's going to get any better. Even though he's a young lad with plenty of. Um, potential to get better mm-hmm. uh, and as uh, at the moment he's a better player than Ross Barkley so yeah he should be worth more than £50 million pounds. Um, but there's no guarantee he's going to be a better player so sell him and try and reinvest in the squad which they did before with the Luis Suarez money that hasn't quite been successful yet but people like Chan and um, one or two others are starting to come a little bit good mm. Lovren not so much but that just helps that would help Rogers reinvest in again another two or three players to improve them again for next year if he does end up leaving that's what economics say to do it does it does and I don't think Sterling is as important to Liverpool this year as Suarez was to them last year so I don't think losing him would be a bigger blow to them
0: well someone said to me on Twitter last night a swap for Walcott and maybe some cash uh-huh. Um, is he is he any better than Walcott
1: is he any more productive than Walcott uh, wait. I don't know I mean, you'd have to look at your statistics for that but Walcott would want the they're same... very similar kind of players
0: Walcott would want the same amount of money that um, Sterling wants as well
1: he would, that's true Um, and I don't think he's as flexible as Sterling in terms of where he can play Sterling's played three or four different positions even like wing back, hasn't he for this this season so far? Yeah, he
0: has. And Walcott really wants to play through the middle as well. That was his big thing about trying to. Yeah, which
1: he, he's he's never a centre forward, no. never. So, um, you know, it is just it is a strange one, and I think it's just the prelude to some kind of falling out and then move in the next six months. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, back to this fixture. Liverpool have played one clean sheet in their last eighteen league matches versus Arsenal, and it's at the Emirates. So I am definitely. Going to go for an Arsenal win.
1: Me too. I think it'll be a tight game, though. Both sides have been in good form. Liverpool won't miss Gerrard until um, until the Man United game. They won seven out of seven Mm -hmm. in the games that he had started. Yeah, I think he's. And then they only had a they only had a forty percent win rate in the games that he had started. So I don't think not having Gerrard available is going to be a huge blow to them. But I just think Arsenal might be a wee bit too strong at Arsenal. This farewell tour is not going too
0: well for him, is it? Well, long may it continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that, then your lot are next. Um, Everton. Hooray. Yeah. Well, Emma's gone for a draw in the in the Arsenal Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, next match is Everton Southampton. Now she's written in her text to me. She's written scummers. I'm presuming that means Southampton, as she's a Portsmouth fan.
1: Well, unless, unless I've offended her uh, recently,
0: again. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Many of the time we've come off this podcast and thought, hmm. <laughs> um, so, I have really got the best away defence in the league. Uh, but both teams have just won two of their last six.
1: Vital wins for Everton because we were, you know, plummeting. And we were lucky to come up against a completely dispirited, demoralised, disinterested Newcastle. At home, and then a QPR side that were better than us, but are just so bad they couldn't beat us. That was very lucky for Everton because those two wins are probably enough to keep us out the mire and helps keep help us keep stay up. So well,
0: you've only um, you've only won four uh, at home out of your last 15, and you don't like it against Southampton because you've failed to score in three out of the last four, and also mm-hmm. you've scored three own goals in the last two games versus Southampton.
1: <laughs> Everton score more deflected goals than I think I've ever seen any team. Jagelka's arse is lethal in front of goal. Yeah,
0: after Ross Barkley's goal versus QPR at Goodison, you're not getting any sympathy from me for that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: Yeah, well I think I think um I think this will be a draw.
0: You reckon this will be a draw, do you? okay. Um Yeah. I'm gonna go for Everton because I don't know. You just got a couple of wins lately and I think maybe um, this could be the turnaround or something. Praise my that. Lukaku's not playing so that may or may
1: not hinder things. Yeah? Yeah, he's injured I think for a couple of oh, weeks. Is so. So you reckon yeah, but as I said, I think I think now maybe the pressure's off Everton a little bit. You might see them get something close to their best. Who knows?
0: Yeah. Uh, next up is Leicester versus West Ham. Emma has gone for uh, West Ham in this one. Leicester City are just... Garbage, aren't they? I mean, they've gone beyond plucky and mm. lucky losers to the point where you just really have to say you're just not getting the the points, are you? There was
1: there was a point where I thought they might get out of it because I've as I, I said before, I've seen worse teams than then stay up before, mm. but they seem to have now given up the ghost a little bit over the last two or three weeks, and Nigel Pearson started to get more, you know, Bonkers. weird. Yeah. Bonkers and you know, scary eyed, and I don't think that's going to trans- transmit well to the players. I don't think anybody wants to play for that. So, but would you
0: say they're going to? I don't know. I think West Ham, possibly. I think so. Is. This is, um, it's like the last days of some sort of dictator or something, isn't it? He's sort of mm. going madder and madder. Uh, I'm going to go West Ham. As well. yeah,
1: you, can't, you, can't see him, you can't see him being their manager next season.
0: No, we have already got rid of him once, haven't mm. they? Yeah, I can. Yeah, they've
1: been plucky and everything else, but I think, I th- yeah, I don't, I don't know whether he'd inspire that group of players to come straight back up again. No.
0: Um, Manchester United versus Aston Villa is next. Would you like a couple of killer stats? Go on. then. No substitute has got a goal or assist for Aston Villa this season. You kind of think what's the point of them? Uh, Manchester United have got 31 Premier League wins versus Villa, of which Rooney has scored 12 goals in all those. So, I would suggest it's a Manchester United victory, as would Emma.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I think, um, yeah, Sherwood's had Sherwood's had a, a, some, some kind of impact on that lot, but they're still in a bit of trouble. Mm. Um, and I, I think United are starting to come good. They finally realised that you play Fellaini exactly as he played when he played for Everton. And you'll get something out of him and your team plays better. And they've got a better team shape and a better team structure since they decided or whether they were forced to put in Fellaini into that kind of withdrawn target man type position. Mm. They played a lot better and they've got... So I think um, I think United...
0: Yes, I think so too. I mean, you kind of wonder what's the point of all these substitutions if they're not doing anything.
1: Um, well, it depends who it is they're bringing on. If it's defensive substitutions, then that's why they're not doing it, giving assists or scoring any goals. I would imagine because who? How many attacking options have Villa actually got to bring on? They haven't got any on the in the starting eleven anyway, or very few.
0: Well, for the most part, they're chasing games, aren't they? So you would have thought they'd bring somebody attacking on.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. But they're chasing games for a reason It's because they're crap (laughs) That's very true
0: Uh, Swansea versus Hull Can I give you another step? Mm. If you must I must I I quite like this one Hull's record versus teams um, Ending with uh, City This season is Played seven won Won none Drawn three Lost four
1: And of course they can't play themselves No that's true um, right, well, <laughs> those stats indicate that it can only be a Swansea win.
0: Yes, you would have thought. Danny Graham scored in the yeah. sixty last year for Hull. This is a Danny Graham derby, isn't it? Uh, his career
1: went downhill fast when he got out of Swansea. That was all, you know, sometimes people are
0: best staying put. Mm. He must be working in Tesco's now, surely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he'll end up in Little by the end of the season. <laughs> <online>. <laughs> Uh, so you're going for Swansea, are you? Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. I'm going to go for Swansea as well. I um, can't see a holding anything there. West Brom versus. or West Brom and Dalvin versus QPR. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I wrote WBA versus QPR. I put this down as an acronym, Derby. All right. Who does, who does he play for first? I don't know. You reckon this is some kind of Eastern European? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, as you can imagine, both teams are shite, so the statistics don't make great. Mm. Uh, QPR have lost five out of six and got the worst away defence, and they conceded first in twenty-three out of thirty matches this season as well. Mm. Um, well,
1: it doesn't matter really who QPR are playing away. You just automatically go over the home team. Yeah, you do. That, that that's just the rule, you know. If you if you're a gambling person, you'd have you'd just be riding the QPR coattails as long as possible. Okay, they had that win that random win against Sunderland a while back, but
0: just keep piling your money on QPR to get beat. I'm afraid so. It's the very depressing stuff. Emma's thought the same thing. Uh, Chelsea versus Stoke. Emma's gone for a Chelsea win. Uh, Chelsea already mm. conceded six at home this season, and. But Stoke have scored more away goals this season than Chelsea and Arsenal. Wow. Back-to-back losses, though, for Stoke, against Palace and West Brom.
1: Yeah. Chelsea are on the home stretch. They've had they had a few, a few results before the international break, obviously the PSG game, and I think they might have dropped some lead points as well that you wouldn't have expected them to. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that the, we're into the last, what, seven or eight games of the season... The only thing now they're going for is the league. You can't really see them messing. It wouldn't be a shock if they went and won every single game from now to the end of the season. Wouldn't be what? Sorry. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a shock at all if Chelsea didn't drop another point
0: now. Oh, you think? From this point in, drop another point. All right, let's have a look at some fixtures. Show. Do you honestly think?
1: No, I don't honestly think what I'm saying it wouldn't be a surprise now if they didn't drop another point. United, they don't to play a nice
0: yeah. Uh, I'm just furiously googling. i tell you what, I've got a stat for you while I'm googling another one. Peter Crouch has scored seven Premier League goals this season, getting Stoke nine points. Diego Costa's 19 goals has only got eight points to Stoke. For Chelsea. Chelsea. Ruined it there,
1: didn't they? Um May, well, maybe that just says that Stoke don't have many goal-scoring options, but when they do score, they are able to hold on to it. Whereas Chelsea will have, you know, Costa might be the first goal scorer in a game that finishes two-one, and the winner was scored by Oscar or Hazard or uh, I don't know Ramirez mm. or Remy or somebody else. You know, okay. maybe Costa is the one who starts that. You know, he's the one who scores at the right time mm. in a game. To kick things off, you know, break the deadlock.
0: Right, Chelsea not dropping a point for the rest of the season. They are home to Stoke, away to QPR, home to Chelsea, uh, home to Man United, away to Arsenal, away to Leicester, and then it's home to Palace and Liverpool, and then away at West Brom before finishing at home to Sunderland. Okay. I, well, uh, it's I think it would be difficult, twice. but not impossible. Uh, yeah. Not impossible. Also, according to the BBC website, um, Brighton players are given lessons in sex consent.
1: Yeah, because they've had they had a problem, didn't they, a little while back with one of these typical um, them being players being accused of, you know, having some luridness, you know. Some luridness in a hotel room—the sort of thing you always hear about footballers. I don't remember how that panned out; whether they were any guilty or not guilty, I can't remember. Oh. But it, I remember there were about four or five Brighton players specifically involved. But like Leicester so, City when um, they went to Malaga, <laughs> remember that? So yeah, was that, that was so did the fire extinguisher? In that?
0: No, that was after that. This was Paul dickoff Stefan Freund, Frank Sinclair, I think, and maybe somebody else all arrested for rape. In the hotel in Malaga. Oh, right, okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. And they were all not. It was all turned out to be a load of nonsense.
1: There we go. Well, it, as much as it, it, you know, that kind of thing. It's as much about educating them about how not to get yourself into situations where even a, even the headline is possible, mm. let alone actually do, doing something like that to get yourself into the situation. That you know what I mean. Mm. Don't don't go out and get rammed in a nightclub every few nights and let girls drip off you and then take girls to hotel rooms and stuff. Or drip on the girls. I know. Or or do anything that's going to even be perceived, whether it's, you know, true or just complete bollocks. Mm. Don't put yourself in the position where people think it could be true. Mm. You know, and then Mm. it's... I'm sure it doesn't happen... To every young man, every Friday night or on a regular basis. I know the life of the football is slightly different, but yeah, these lads need to be...
0: Are you saying that you know? girls don't tend to throw themselves at eye surgeons?
1: Um, not in my experience, no.
0: Just okay. no. for the same for local government officers as well. Then.
1: <laughs> the only reason they'll be throwing themselves at you is to try and get a council tax rebate. <laughs> they're all the welcome to try um, or a, or a winter winter fuel allowance <laughs> um, grant
0: well, they're all the welcome to have a go um, Burnley versus Spurs now Burnley won this fixture uh, last time they were in the Premier League they beat them 4-2 right I can't see it happening again to well. be honest
1: but I mean Burnley aren't dead and buried by any means yet uh, you'd you imagine that, that they're still with a right good chance of staying up um, I think I might go for a draw here. I
0: was going to say a draw as well. Spurs got one clean sheet in their last 13 away games. Mm-hmm. So Emma's gone for Spurs. I'm going to go for a draw with you. Um, mm. Time Tees Derby on Sunday.
1: Time Weird Derby. Weird Time
0: That's Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough, isn't it? It's Middlesbrough, yeah. yeah well, it's all North of Taunton. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> time Weird Derby Um This is both a. First one for Advocate and Carver in charge, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah, looks like
0: Sunderland it. Sunderland won this, but this is Adam Johnson's uh, reference. To what we were talking about a minute ago. Uh, Adam Johnson mm. scored the winner didn't he, in the um, return fixture earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, Sunderland, second worst home, uh, the second worst home attack. They've scored twelve goals at home this season. Worst home defence in the Premier League. No wins in six. Although they are unbeaten in six derbies.
1: I think they've got a lot more to play for than Newcastle so. Newcastle just drifted like a barge in the middle of the table um and as I said when they played Everton a few weeks ago everton couldn't have been given a better opportunity opportunity for three points than how Newcastle played um and just just on that I would go for Sunderland I wouldn't normally but I think just uh, I think Sunderland had more desperate for the points than Newcastle. Mm. And I think you'll see it from the likes of Catamol and Larson and, and Fletcher than you do from Sissoko, Gufran, and whoever else is in the Newcastle team.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have of them as well. So is Emma. I kind of get the feeling that Newcastle players don't really like it up them. They absolutely don't like it up them. That's a very good description. Mm-hmm. Very scientific. That's, it. That's also in Soccernomics. Yeah, they don't like it up. You know, that's proper (laughs) parlance, that is. Um, Last game of the weekend, then, is Crystal Palace versus Manchester City. This is Monday night's game. Now, Emma's gone for Crystal Palace. Did you know Mm. Alan Pardew, this is both at Newcastle and Palace this season, has won 20 points from losing positions? Really? Mm. I can see Palace winning this. But well, um, having said that, they've only really won two at home, the two out of eight at home, uh, and no clean sheets in eleven at home. But I can still see them winning at home.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree, but I actually think Man City will win. Do you? Hmm. Think so. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, Palace are a funny side, aren't they?
0: Yeah, I, they're a bit like Sunderland were at the start of the season. You just don't know how to predict them, do you? hmm mm-hmm. Um well let me go on with Palace. You said Man City, have you? Yeah, I'll go for City, yeah. I'll go for an honorary draw then. Okay. Right, well that brings us to the end of that. We'll see how they get on. Uh well Ross and the boys will be um uh will be reviewing the uh matches we just predicted um uh, come Sunday afternoon. Uh that also brings us to the end of our podcast as well. Um anything else you want to talk about, Mark?
1: Um, I'll just do a quick plug for the new issue of the Football Pink, which is out in, a, in the next week or so, but you can pre-order it now, and it's um, issue 8, and this is our uh, Italia 90 25th anniversary edition, so lots of stuff about all that. So if you're into football nostalgia, if Italia 90 is your thing, it's got some fantastic illustrations in, the cover is a great, uh, a great illustration of Pavarotti, uh, referring specifically to one of the articles in the magazine. So give it a try, so footballpink.net if anybody's interested.
0: And what else can they read? Can you give us a flavour of any of the other articles on there?
1: There's a bit about the music Mm -hmm. of that particular around that tournament. There's stuff about uh, the Yugoslavia team. Mm -hmm. There's stuff about the north-south divide of Italy that Maradona tried to ignite before the Mm semi-final. There is uh, stuff about Gaza, Mateus, Skilacci, Roger Miller, Mm -hmm. There's stuff about the Irish, the Scottish, obviously some England stuff in there as well. So quite a quite a good mixture of things. That sounds pretty good.
0: So footballpink.net. That's the one. And if they want to follow you on Twitter
1: They can follow me at
0: the Football Pink. At the Football Pink. If you do really want to follow me, you can follow me at C Armband. Uh, Ross and the boys will be here on Sunday, as I said, to talk about this. Um, and you'll be able to download that podcast uh, probably on Monday after the weekend. Um, if you like what you see and like what you see like what you hear even um, you can review us on iTunes any five star reviews actually help us get us moved up the charts a little bit and um, make us a little bit more prominent and out there so any reviews and five star reviews will be gratefully received on iTunes com is the website uh, at manonthepost is the Twitter account um, new articles going up on the website all the time Ross promises he says he's got something in his inbox that uh, he needs to put up on there um Should you want to tweet Emma and ask her where she is and uh, does she need rescuing, she is at MWebs. Um, So hopefully she'll be back as soon as possible. So thank you very much, Mark. Thanks, Chris. No worries. And always remember to keep your man on the post.